You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by Akash Shaw, 2016 NLC New Jersey fellow. Always fun to catch up with folks who are on opposite coasts. He's been doing a lot of interesting, incredible work we'll hear about. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Let's get to it. All right, Akasha, are you still in Jersey right now? I am. And since I'm on LA time here, West Coast, you're out there. It's, what are we at now? June 23rd. I feel like the news headlines are are as head spinning as always. What is the state of COVID affairs for your part of the world right now? Uh, a lot better than they were a couple months ago. So we uh, got into the pandemic in earnest in early to mid-March. Um, I actually was involved with the care of the first confirmed case in our state. Uh, and then it was a whirlwind since then. But I'm happy to report that things really leveled off towards the end of, of April and are a lot better now. Uh, I wish the same were true for other parts of the country, though. Yeah. And so we're excited to have you on because you are an emergency room doctor. And we've had a few uh, doctor alumni have come on at different stages in the pandemic. And I think what's interesting about what you're doing, too, is it sounds like a lot of your work is not only focused on on immediate health and making sure people feel better, but also uh, a lot of thought and care going into the intersection of a couple issues. Give folks kind of the scoop about how you put your progressive values into into practice and into play here. Yeah, absolutely. So you're you're absolutely right. Uh, what I wake up thinking about, go to sleep thinking about, is the intersection of criminal justice and healthcare reform. And so, for the past three years, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, a number of individuals who are who are incarcerated or previously incarcerated. And so much of my day is spent trying to think through how do we meet the the healthcare needs of this population among many others and. I've, I've become absolutely convinced, and I think the events of recent weeks have, have only served as a reminder uh, of the urgency behind this, but I've become absolutely convinced that for far too many caught in the maw of our criminal justice system, what, what justice truly looks like is, is treatment, not punishment. And whether that's treatment in the form of access to mental health services, treatment in the form of uh, addiction services or, or treatment in another form altogether. I think uh, we've got a lot of work to do when it comes to building out programs that that understand that what so many need is is treatment and not punishment. So when you have heard the defund the police movement really take off, at least in the public eye, obviously it's been there for a long time and people have been advocating for more than just defund. They've been advocating for abolition of, of police and prison abolition in general. What kind of opportunities do you see in this moment to have lasting change happen? Or do you feel like this might actually be something that is similar to other moments in time that seem to be rather fleeting? Yeah, no, no, I don't I don't think this is is fleeting. I think there is something qualitatively different about the moment that we're in. And again, so much of what has caught the nation's eye, I don't think any of that is new, but I think the extent to which it has uh, caught the the nation's eye uh, across generations, across races, across ethnicities, across so many uh, communities is is new, and so I'm hopeful that there will be some real tangible change that that comes from it. Um, in terms of the sort of changes that I see coming from it over the the near and long term, um, I think there's a real conversation to be had around what does a public health approach to criminal justice looks like look like. Um, so just you know, diving into one example that you alluded to around 
how do we want to change policing, right? I think, I think over 50% of police fatalities involve an individual with a mental health disorder, if not in uh, a frank mental health crisis. Um, does it really make sense that when uh, we have a scene in which we've got an individual having a mental health crisis, uh, does it make sense for us to deploy a man or a woman with a, a gun at their hip when he or she hasn't really been trained to deal with the situation? I would argue that the answer is no, it, it doesn't make sense. We, we've got to think of something much more thoughtful um, and then uh, put it into motion. And I think there's examples of what that could look like. Um, and so that's just an example of the kind of change that I think can can come of a moment like this. When we come back with Akash, we'll talk a little bit more about his experiences as a doctor and otherwise. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Akash, why do you think we don't have Medicare for all? Yeah, I think that is a, a great question. Um, let me back up a little bit and let me just say that uh, given the moment that we're in, it has become all the more apparent that we we need it, right? I think, and and this won't. This is by no means a novel insight, and I, I think it's one that you probably know uh, uh, more so than than most. But you know, one of the things that has struck me is just how broken our healthcare system is at the present moment, right? So for the past couple months, we've been wrestling with this pandemic, and you know, while moving heaven and earth to provide the care that our communities need. Um, I open up uh, email after email with headlines along the lines that our hospitals and healthcare systems are on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, and to me, it just screams at the yawning gap between the financial incentives for our hospitals and our healthcare systems uh, and the needs of our community. Because I would argue that at no time in our history, or at least no time in our history during the past century, has our healthcare have our healthcare services been needed more than they are now. And yet at the precise moment when our services are needed most, we have hospitals and healthcare systems that genuinely can't meet the bottom line. You know, it begs the question, well, what are you being paid for? Um, if not to meet the needs of the, the community that we serve. Um, and so to me, all of that has just underscored the need for Medicare for all, for universal health coverage in any way, shape or form. Um, to answer your more proximate question, why don't we have it? You know, I think it's been a, a failure of our political imagination for far too many. Anytime they try to get towards healthcare reform in earnest, there's been a real fear that it is this third rail of our politics and that so many presidents up until President Obama recently had tried, had tried, had tried and failed going back 60, 70, 80 years. And so if that were the case, then then we shouldn't. And yet I think if, if uh, today's day and age underscores anything, it's the fact that we need this now more than ever. Uh, and we need leaders who who are not afraid to touch what far too many tell them is the third rail of of politics when it it really isn't. And I am less and less convinced of it by the day. The application for NLC twenty twenty one fellows is open now, and I've been involved with our chapter out here in LA since twenty ten. And it's only really been in the last couple of years we've actually seen, like I said before, medical doctors come through and be fellows, which was a really fantastic add to. The, the cohort in the sense of adding perspective on, on healthcare and, and adding perspective on 
how it plays out for community health, things like that. If you were talking to medical professionals and trying to encourage them to consider NLC as a program they might want to pursue for, for 2021, what kind of things would you want them to know or what would you want them to prioritize as they make their decision? Yeah, I would I would encourage them to apply wholeheartedly. And the the reason for it won't come as a surprise, but if you are practicing medicine today, I think you probably can't go a single shift uh, without realizing the importance of policy, of politics, of progressivism uh, for the communities that we serve. So just as a quick example, you know, about two months or so ago, when the pandemic was really starting to take off here in Jersey, I walked into a shift in the emergency room and we were we were simply overwhelmed. We started receiving about sixty patients an hour, well beyond uh, our our capacity. And um, so we we rolled up our sleeves and got to work. And about like three or four hours into a shift, I found out what had happened. It turned out that President Trump had gone on uh, to his podium and said that testing was readily and rapidly available. All you had to do was ask for it. And so. All of the patients who are now bursting through our ambulance bay doors were people who uh, were healthy but were showing symptoms of a respiratory illness. And because they had heard this on the news, uh, immediately decided to come to the emergency room to get tested. It's, it's very understandable. I think if I were having symptoms, I'd want to be tested as well. The only problem was that no such test existed, at least not in the scale that was implied. And so you had all of these folks who who either had fevers or coughing or sneezing or a sore throat. Um, and the last place they needed to be was uh, sharing space, breathing the same air, um, and, uh, and in the emergency room with one another. And yet that's exactly where they found themselves. So if they didn't have the virus when they came to the emergency room, they almost certainly would when they left. And you could draw a direct line from what the president said on television a couple hours earlier to the uh, state of affairs in our emergency room and the patients that I was seeing that day. Um, and so to me, it was as clear as day uh, that what happens in that arena very much affects uh, what happens in, in medicine day in and day out. And so that's just one example, but I think you cannot be a healthcare provider today without appreciating the importance of what happens in so, so many other sectors of society. And NLC is as uh, good a way as I know of to learn, to engage, to connect with those fears. Yeah, well said. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. And of course, thanks so much for the work you're doing. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to check out all past episodes and get those in all the places where you find podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Don't forget too to download and subscribe on Apple and Google. Rate us if you'd like. Until next time, we'll catch you soon. <laughs>